This is a remote voice podcast. I'm Daniel Silva. This is the 10th in a series of letters that I'm writing from Arnhem Land. And copies of these letters are available on my website, danielsilva.work. Okay, this is, as I say, letter number 10. And this one is called Forgiveness. Give me confusion and forgive me my pride. All I wanted was improvement. Give me confusion and forgive me my pride. All I wanted was improvement. Right now I'm at my desk. It's a large dining table positioned slightly off-center in a room 15 paces by five. The table is made of wood, has a hazelnut stain, a simple box apron and four turned legs. It's not so old to demand special treatment, nor so young to be without a story. It has two chairs. One faces a window, the other at its head, faces into the room. I sit mostly in the former, though sometimes I work in the latter, which is where I am now. At night, before bed, I like to work with the front door open. That way the room fills with cool, dark air and the scent of campfires. One night the porch light turned on and behind the screen door stood a tabby cat, she was ash grey with charcoal stripes and yellow ears. I'd been writing for hours and mostly about longing, so I saw in those eyes a welcome intrusion. I opened the door and she came in, circled me a few times, then brushed her coat against my legs and the legs of my table. I sat on the floor and watched her with caution. She came up, rolled on her back and purred at my touch. I felt flush with warmth and I smiled. I told a friend about the cat. She cooed a little and said that she often thought about taking in a stray cat or a dog. There are so many around. The dogs are battered and the cats make good housemates. I reminisced about my old cat called Blue, the way he used to sleep on my chest. A few weeks later, my friend found a kitten and kept it. I went round to visit, and the little grey huntress was chasing lizards. I laughed and cheered her on, but my friend wasn't amused. She complained that the lizards were native, and since the cat moved in, she hadn't seen so many around. I found myself siding with the cat. Leave her be, I said. She lives here too. A week later, I was out bush with some Jungle rangers, they're employed for the purpose of conservation and land management. In many ways, they stand on rare common ground between Jungle knowledge and Western science. We visited a dry riverbed. The ground beneath our feet was broken into big chunks of caked mud, the work of feral pigs and buffalo. Years ago, the rangers said, the riverbed was flat, 
green and abundant with water chestnuts. Now it's a salty, barren badlands. Years ago, people collected the chestnuts and found water by the sound of the birds. Their twills and chirps inspired melodies for songs. Their movements were made into dances. Children learned the dances and recognized the birds. They passed on the knowledge and seldom went thirsty. Years later, the birds flew away. Too many cats. The people kept dancing and singing. Children kept learning, but they couldn't see the birds. The old people told them how they used to find water, but the children drank from taps and were thirsty. On World Indigenous People Day, they celebrated their culture with songs and dances, stories and dreams that everyone agreed should be preserved and protected. Don't forget who you are, the children were told. Don't forget where you come from. Be proud of your roots and your culture. Learn the stories and dreams. Help pass them on. Take care of this land. And across the nation, people will honour you whenever they meet. They will pay their respects to you and your elders, past, present and future. A child raised his hand. Are there stories about cats, he asked. Cats, his teacher echoed. Yes, cats, said the child. I know to be proud of my culture and to take care of this land. So what should I do about cats? His teacher conferred with the rangers. It was their job to conserve and manage the land. But the rangers weren't sure. They'd tried killing the cats, but people kept them as pets. So inevitably, the problem outlived that solution. They'd encouraged people to keep them indoors and have them desexed, but some left them be to hunt and prosper. After all, they lived there too. There was word of a new innovation from overseas, but it would be years before the innovation itself would reach the rangers. The teacher returned disappointed. I'm sorry, he said to the child. The rangers aren't sure. Jungle knowledge has nothing to tell about cats, and Western science tells stories about future technology. The child raised his hand, which was unusual, both for the fact that the teacher stood right in front of him and for the unlikelihood that there might still be a question to ask. What about Western knowledge, said the child. Knowledge, replied his teacher. Yes, said the child. Does your culture have stories about cats? The teacher was stunned. Who am I, he thought. Where do I come from? Does my culture have stories about cats? He recalled with some difficulty a time when his culture was also made of stories and dreams. They were stories about heroes and heroines and the spirits that dwelt in unseeable places. But something had happened. He tried to remember. People searched for spirits but couldn't find them. So they consulted the rationalists, whose job it was to reveal and manage the truth. 
The rationalists had technology that could see into unseeable spaces. But they couldn't see any spirits, and soon the people stopped telling their stories. After all, they knew who they were and where they came from, but now they were somewhere new. I'm sorry, said the teacher. I don't know any stories about cats. The child scrunched his face so that his lips were crumpled and his eyes scanned the air just out of reach to his left. After a few seconds in deep thought, he raised his hand. Yes, said the teacher. How about snakes? Snakes? Yes. Do you have any stories about snakes? The teacher hesitated. I guess so. But they're only myths. What's a myth, said the child. Kind of a story. An old story, but more like a dream. It isn't... The teacher stopped. There was a word on the tip of his tongue, but he wasn't quite sure what it meant. He looked at the child and took a deep breath. Okay, he began. I'll tell you the story. Once... There was a beautiful garden, full of plants and animals and fresh flowing water. A man and a woman lived there and took care of the land. It was a time before knowledge, and the man and woman didn't know who they were. They weren't afraid and never went hungry. Nothing did. One of the trees in the garden was called the Tree of Knowledge, but the man and the woman weren't supposed to eat from that tree. The child was rapt. Was there a snake in the garden? The teacher smiled at the child's curiosity and felt encouraged to continue the telling. Yes, there was a snake. It was subtle and smart. It lived in the tree of knowledge and it spoke to the woman. It told her to eat from the tree and find out who she was. The child raised his hand and the teacher laughed. I think I know what you're going to say, he said. You're going to ask why she wasn't supposed to know who she was. Yes, said the child. Why not? Well, the garden was only for people who didn't know. If she ate the fruit, she'd have to leave. So what did she do? She ate the fruit, and she had to leave? Yes, and the man too. They left together. Where did they go? Well, they didn't go anywhere. More like they woke up. You mean it was all a dream? The child was confused, and so was the teacher. He felt some embarrassment at having told the story. Such things were no longer told to children, and perhaps for good reason. Then he felt the child's hand enter his own. It brushed the skin of his palm and was dry and soft like a petal. The child's interest was innocent and genuine. He couldn't know the tension these stories conjured in the hearts and minds of teachers. You know what, he asked. The teacher hoped for once the child had an answer. What, he replied. I know who you are. Surprised, the teacher turned to the child. He wanted so desperately to know that he laughed a little 
and casually said, Oh yeah? Yeah, you're the same as me. Your job is to care for the land. The teacher felt flush with warmth. I guess you're right. The child scrunched his face in thought. Now, if only we had a story about cats. The next morning I woke up and went to the shop to buy some pears. A man I know barreled in after me and asked if I'd like to go hunting with some men. I said I would. It was my first hunt. Soon I sat by a river with kangaroo on a fire and blood on my hands. Later, I stood at the home of a mythical python snake. Later still, I helped skin the first buffalo I'd ever seen. On our way home, we washed in the river as the sun was setting, and the men suggested we say a prayer of thanksgiving for a day so flush with life. I can't say who I prayed to, but I know what I prayed for. I prayed for forgiveness. With love, Daniel. Postscripts. There's something in this letter that that makes it hard for me to speak. So, until next week.